Welcome to Uncle Monster's Spooky Time Fright Hour, your source for the straight poop on all things supernatural. We're your hosts. Uh, my name is Chris Anderson, but if you went to high school with me, you can call me Shivy. And I'm Ethan Sereski. And a little blonde kid from the Shriners Hospital commercial makes me cry. He's so precocious, but so, so sick. And this week, we're going to be talking to you about that classic monster of yesteryear, the Beast of Gavadon. Is that what we're calling it? Or I always pronounce it Guivadon, but I'm pretty sure that that is way wrong. I can tell just by reading it. It's That's not right. Yep, but that that's going to be my instinct, and I'm sure I'm going to default to it a couple times. Uh, if anyone does know how to pronounce this... Feel free to tell us or not tell us. Your call, baby. It's G-E-V-A-U-D-A-N. So let's decide on one now. We're going to get Gavodon. That's, I feel like that's going to sound, well, but yeah, okay. Yeah, I can do Gavodon. 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 I think the accent's over the E, so Gavodon. Gavodon. Yes. Okay, we've got it, folks. I like it. So hit him with the premise, Ethan. Okay, well, as usual on Uncle Monster's Spooky Night. <laughs> what episode is this that I. <laughs> Uncle Monster. This Mon- is season two, episode <laughs> two. As usual on Uncle Monster's Spooky Time Fred Hour, one of us, Shibble this week, has done extensive research on a monster, demon, ghoul, or a beast in this case, the beast of Gavadon. Give it all. And uh, one of us, me, Ethan, uh, has done no research and knows uh, absolutely nothing about the beasts of Give it all, uh, and will be learning from Dibble. Well, I think one thing that we've established uh, quite well at this point is that the best way for a lot of people to learn, including myself, is through narrative fiction. You know what's funny is that it's season two, and I can't pronounce it, but it's also season two, and you don't remember the order of segments. It's true, because what's up first is you tell me what you think it is, having done no research. Just strictly, when you hear the term, Beast of Gévedon, what do you picture in your mind's eye? Well, first, I started out thinking about the spelling, and uh, Gévedon, you know... I thought the beast has got to be a French beast, or at the very least, a Francophile beast. Fair enough. And uh, this was reinforced by Shibble telling me that, yes, the beast of Gavadon is a French werewolf. More or less. I thought that was a bunch too much info, but whatever. Um, it kept me from guessing that the beast of Gavadon is actually a bunch of Halloween goblins uh, piled up on top of each other mischievously wearing a werewolf suit to frighten the French. That, I wish that's what it was. I'm going to put that under theories. It could be that. One of them would have a pumpkin on its head. One would have a torch. And one of them would be playing the... Accordion, I'm hoping. But alas, I cannot guess Halloween Goblins. So thank you for that, Chibi. It's all right. I mean, I could have been misleading you. I... I'm going to put down that... I'm going to write down on the score sheet that you guessed Halloween Goblins. No, no. Alas, I, I have to give you my, my actual uh, guess here. I think the Beast of Gavano is a huge man-wolf monster hybrid. I think he's, like, busy attacking all the livestock of all the farmers in medieval France, but then they band together and form a posse. Then the beast stops attacking and surrenders to the superior fighting force because, you know. 
Uh, I think he has a fully human face, uh, except for the Oof. snout of a wolf right in the middle. Okay. The rest of him is a huge, black, shaggy, smelly wolf with bright yellow eyes, because it's a cryptid, so it has to have glowing eyes. Uh, yeah, that's fair. When he is not the beast of Gavaldon, like when he's not changed into it, he is the third oldest son of a rickets-afflicted haberdasher born with a hereditary lupine blood infection. Okay, so you think this is a ge- there's a genetic component? I do. I'm going to give you the stats. This is the final guess here. Beast of Gavaldon okay. stats. Eight feet tall. Mm-hmm. 600 pounds. Dressed in dirty French peasant clothes. like It would be like a high school production of Beauty and the Beast, but it would be torn up from him turning back and forth. Got it. Bright yellow eyes. Uh, one of the only cryptids to smoke cigarettes. Okay, I like it. Turns into the beast on a full moon, superhuman strength, and a superiority complex. And that is my guess at the Beast of Gay Valdon. All right. Well, I'm going to say you got some things right. You got some things he wrong. He smokes, right? I mean, we can't prove that he doesn't. So he smokes. <laughs> yeah, so I think since he's French, it's safe to assume that he is smoking unfiltered Galois <laughs> and uh, outside of the local cafe. Okay. Well, here's what my research found out. It found out this amazing story. Oh, we have a story. That's right. Well, that means it's story have... time. It's story time. Story time. It's story time with Uncle Monster. Story Monster. time. It's story time. It's story time with Uncle Monster. Story time. You blink, adjusting to the light. Your vision clears and you see that you're surrounded by trees. Trees. <laughs> Before today, you'd only seen pictures of trees in the archives. Trees. They really did it, the bastards. They sent you back in time. You check your chronometer, and it looks like the eggheads back in Antwerp screwed the pooch again. They got the time right, mid-1760s, common era. But your locator puts you in southern France. The Council of Trillionaires hired you to go to Paris to change history. And if you're going to do your job, you've got quite the hike ahead of you. You hide your anomalous gear in the hidden pocket inside your era-appropriate clothes and focus up on your mission. The Council of Trillionaires hired you to do one simple job. Stop the French Revolution. Throughout history, mob rule has sought to suppress minorities. And one minority group that has faced more oppression than anyone is rich people. That's what Jeff Bezos V told you. He said, There's no worse attack on this vulnerable minority than the reign of terror that followed the French Revolution. That's why we need you, Bark Hammersmith, the world's (laughs) toughest time traveler. Only you can save all those poor aristocrats from the guillotine. The last of your time travel-induced brain fog clears when you hear sobbing. You approach and find a child weeping. Monsieur, can you help me? She says, the poor wastrel. Thank God you have found me. I was tending a ship 
when my problem Gilbert wandered into the forest. I looked for my lost lamb and now I am lost too. Mon dieu! You take pity on the little worker and dry her tears with some of the money they gave you. I'll get you home, mon petit, and I'll buy you a new lamb. Because people with money care about you. It's good to start indoctrinating them young, you think. You take her by the hand and start walking back towards where you believe her village to be. Before you find the path back, though, you find something much more shocking. It is Gilbert, or what's left of him. The lost little lamb has had its throat ripped out. Mon dieu! La bête! The girl says. What? La bête! Mon dieu! She says. Monsieur, we must run! The beast is near! We must flee! She yanks her hand free and runs off. That's when you hear the snarl. You draw your induction blaster, ready to blast. But what you see emerging from the copse of trees stops you dead in your tracks. It looks like some sort of canine animal, mixing aspects of dog and wolf. But with a huge barrel chest, a tail disproportionately large, and the entire creature roughly the size of a horse. <laughs> you pull your trigger, hoping to loose a volley of blazing hot death but nothing comes out. As the giant beast circles, a small hatch opens, opens on the side of the blaster. It projects a hologram of Jeff Bezos V. Hello, Bark. Did you think I wouldn't find out? That I wouldn't find out that you were stupping my wife? Before the message can finish, the beast is upon you. You feel its teeth dig into your throat. As you hear the hologram's recorded laugh, lose consciousness. <laughs> very nice, Shivel. Thank you. That That was very good. That was very good. I'm, I'm glad you liked it. I was happy with that. It, it, it went in a lot of different directions I wasn't expecting. Yeah. Well, I wanted to keep you on your toes. I wanted to make sure that they could still surprise. <laughs> he totally did. I was did. a little too worried about just like, you are a child and a monster attacks you. What if this time... You were a time traveler, betrayed by Jeff Bezos. The yeah, player. no, that that storyline I love. I love the kids' storyline too with Gilbert. Yeah, yeah, and I'm thinking I might make other Bark Hammersmith stories. Oh, oh, like a rec- I like him. I like the Bark Hammersmith idea. Yeah, to create a Bark Hammersmith universe. What does he look like to you? Uh, well, maybe you'll find out in the, his next appearance. We'll spend a little more time getting to know Bark. Hey, Shibs, do you want some France facts? Oh, yeah, we're in France. Hit me up with those France facts. In 1386, a pig was hung in France for the murder of a child. Mmm. Good. I, I found this very interesting. In 13... Shibble, would you please retrieve from the email um, uh, the French text, please? The dialogue? Yeah, in 1386, a young pig was arrested for attacking a child's face, whom eventually died because of the injuries. 
The pig was arrested for the killing. It was taken to prison and stood trial in court. Mm. There was a receipt for January 9, 1386 from an executioner in Falaz, France. The receipt reads, For his efforts and salary, for having dragged and then hanged at the place of justice in Falaz, a sow of approximately three years of age, who had eaten the face of the child of Jeanne Macon who was in his crib, and who was approximately three months old, in such a way that the said infant died from the injuries. <laughs> Thank you. It's not funny that the child died. I just need to hear that read in a French accent. Well, they say comedy is tragedy plus time. I feel like 700 years. Yeah. You might be able to laugh at this one a little bit. French fact number two, France has weird marriage laws. According to French law, you can marry a dead person, but only as long as as the deceased approved your proposal while he or she were alive and you get approval from the president. Okay. That's Macron, right? It was at one point. I I haven't heard about a new one, so maybe. I think that's kind of sweet. I think the president might be a little bit too high of the latter to be involved in that kind of thing but I guess you want it to be you know a special occasion you think that you should be allowed to marry a dead person I'm gonna say if I like I, let's say I had a fiance right and my fiance was killed in 9-11 oh god see that hasn't been enough time <laughs> that no but I mean it would have to be something on like that level where the president would be like yes you should be able to marry them you know what I mean and especially if it's going to be involved with things like death benefits. If they're legal, you know, repercussions, I'll say that should be going to. All right. Um, I think it's odd. Uh, would, do you think you should be allowed to live with the woman after or the man? Uh, I mean, I still I think mostly for me, the 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 important part is going to be like survivor benefits. Do you know? What yeah, I, mean? I, I guess you're right. More of the legal stuff, not the sex as much. Yeah, I'm going to say the sex I'm going to disapprove of. But it's allowed, right? You would assume it's allowed in France if you can marry a a corpse. That you could also fuck it? Yeah, right. Well, thanks. Could I fuck a corpse that I'm not related to? That I'm not married to? (laughs) Whoa, Freudian slip, right? (laughs) Yeah, oh, goodness. (laughs) Okay, forget about that. Last uh, French fact for for now. Uh, Not all French stuff is French. Uh, The croissant was invented in Austria, and French toast was invented in the U.S. when an innkeeper in New York, Joseph French, forgot the apostrophe when penning his creation. Thus, French's toast became simply French toast. French fries are also not French, nor are French kisses. Okay. Very interesting. Isn't it? Those are some good French facts, right? Yeah, those are good ones. Great positive facts. Now, are you ready for some Beast of Gévaudon facts? I am so... I had to just prepare with some facts because I know this is going to be quite a ride. Yeah. Okay. So, the Beast of Gévaudon was a wild canine uh, the size of a horse uh, with <laughs> and a disproportionately large tail and uh, giant teeth. Uh, it was active in the southern province of Gévaudon. That's how it got its name. Uh, <laughs> is it? it? 
Yes, it was named for the region. Give it. I figured they named the re- the region after him. No, no, otherwise. Okay. Uh, it had documented attacks over the course of three years, from 1764 to 1767. Whoa, documented attacks, you say? Yes, uh, they were all within a 50 square mile area in the Margerid Mountains. So this is a mountainous, wooded area with uh, like a lot of uh, sheep herding villages. Mm-hmm. Estimates put the body count for the beast over this time period anywhere from 60 to 500 people. People? Yes. I thought he attacked uh, sheep and stuff. No, it atta- It killed, estimates range, from 60 to 500 people. And this, okay, wait. In a three-year period. All right, I okay. Hold on. You said there's three reported attacks? No. I said there's... Three years of three reported years attacks. Of attacks. Yeah. And From 1764 to 1764. There were that many attacks that he... How many did he kill per attack? Uh, there are attacks of him attacking... Or reports of him attacking large groups of people. Uh, but he... Uh, if you do the math on that, that's an average of either one person every three weeks on the low end to uh, one person every other day. Oh, my God. Now, imagine this is happening in an area basically the size of, let's say, Fairfield County. <laughs> so let's imagine in your home county, every other day, a wild animal is ripping someone's throat out. And like leaving the body its out? signature move. <laughs> That's what it does? That's the lore? Signature move? Signature move is it goes for the throat, rips the throat out. So every other day in Fairfield County, a white person is getting their throat ripped out? Yes. Yeah, I would say that. Wild animal. Yeah, that would, that would, that would, there would be some alarm. And and also several people are surviving attacks. And also, like, these are, the odds are good that you're going to know someone that has seen this if you have not seen it yourself. Shibble, is this, this is, this sounds real. This sounds like really real. Well, uh, so the beast itself, to get you some particulars of uh, its appearance. Yes, please. Uh, it has uh, brownish fur with black streaks, sort of a, a ruddy color, uh, with a large white heart-shaped crest. Like a Care Bear. Uh, yeah, except it doesn't also have like a heart inside the crest. And Care Bears don't rip throats. Care Bears don't rip throats out too. No, it's true that I don't think even the Care Cousins do. That. No, 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 probably not. Not even Braveheart, their leader. <laughs> Is it Braveheart or Lionheart? Lionheart. Well, he was a lion. Yeah, whatever. Okay, so the Beast of Gavirdel. Uh It had uh, yeah, the size was massive. Horse horse sized it had but the head was not wolf like the head was more shaped like a, a greyhound what and the the torso it was broad shouldered like a pit bull so as we learned last week this is a chimera uh or a rare dog breed <laughs> like if you want to call a cockapoo a chimera i guess <laughs> i it's made of disparate parts yeah, yeah, but these parts are all canine, so I don't know if I'd go as far as to call it a chimera. Okay, I, apo- Maybe I, I apologize. Maybe a dog person. My fault. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to say that a greyhound and a pit bull is not the same thing as, like, a fish and a bumblebee. You know what I mean? Depends how fantastical you feel the combination is, by the way. Yeah, yeah, maybe it's more subjective. It, it, it could be. That's it. 
All right, so the first reported sighting. The year 1764 in the village of Langone. Uh, Marie-Jean Vellet was tending cattle when she saw a giant beast come out of the nearby woods. <laughs> it was the beast of Gévedon. Spoiler alert. Yeah, I was about to say, it, was, it wasn't another beast. It was approaching right towards her. Luckily, she had a herd of cattle nearby, and several bulls combined to chase it off, being afraid that it was going to attack, you know, the, the cows. The bulls all teamed up and chased off the beast. Okay. But it took, like, five bulls to scare this thing off. Later that summer, the beast had its first documented kills. Uh, a pair of children. <laughs> uh, it really went up the ladder quickly. Oh, no, and I'm sorry. Just one kill. A 14-year-old named Jean Boulet of the nearby village of Le Houbac. Uh, attacks in that area continued throughout the year, and rumors speculated. Some say, oh, maybe this is not just one creature. Maybe this is there are several beasts of Gavidon. Uh Some say they saw it uh, with its mate and young, which is possible. On uh, January 12, 1765, the beast attacked a group of eight people, including 10-year-old Jacques Portefeuille. All of them fortunately survived to tell the tale. Wait, King Louis. Who who survived? A ten-year-old. Uh, the entire group of eight survived. How's that? What? Maybe it was just too many. You know, maybe some of them were armed. Uh, you know, they might have been able to defend it. In, in they could have had way. lanterns. Maybe it frightened the beast away that there was such a big group and yeah. all the noise, the yelling. Yeah, yeah. Maybe maybe it thought that the people would scatter. You know, maybe some of them had guns. Right. Who can say? Who knows? But they did have a 10-year-old with them. Uh, King Louis XV heard about this attack. And as compensation, he gave the 10-year-old 3,000 livres and a full-ride scholarship to the school of his choice. That is really cool. Yeah. What's the equi- Good for you, Louis XV. What's the equivalent of 3,000 livres? I have no idea. Oh, that would have been so cool to find out. Uh, yeah, I don't even know how they would adjust for inflation. I imagine it correlates to a amount of silver. I have no idea. Uh, so, Louis the Fifteenth also also decided that he needed to do something about this. He can't have just a giant monster killing his citizens. So he sent Captain Duhamel and his band of dragoons <laughs> to fight the beast. Which made me very curious about what a dragoon is. Those are very well-trained French fighters in the army, right? Uh, Well, they're specifically mounted cavalry. They're like cavalry, Uh except they don't fight from horseback. They ride to wherever they're going, get off their horse, and fight. That that is so silly. Yes. So they're traveling. they're, They're fighters who travel by horse. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, there, there's a, or and they'll do that in battle, I guess. They'll like ride, but they're like, I'm not gonna shoot you from the horse. I'm gonna dismount it now. I'm gonna shoot you. <laughs> do that in a French accent. Yeah, I will not shoot you from a horse. <laughs> I will uh, dismount first. First, I will uh, dismount. I am a dragoon. That is why I'm a dragoon. I'm not in the cavalry. Gilbert, is that you? 
Bah. So, that was Gilbert. Captain Duhamel and his uh, band of dragoons uh, took to the forest. Rode. And, yeah, they rode through the forest trying to, I guess, presumably find the beast, dismount, and then shoot yeah. it. Uh, they they did not have much luck, and Captain Duhamel blamed uh, his dragoons for being incompetent <laughs> and also uncooperative locals. So I really like the guy, the the idea of this guy just being some sort of Parisian asshole <laughs> yeah. who shows up. He's like, I'm gonna take care of this, and everyone's like, God, that guy's a dick. It was the locals and my dragoons. Everyone is incompetent, but me. Yeah, to be like the kind of guy who. You're trying to kill the monster that's killing people's children and everyone still doesn't want to help you is really telling. Yeah. <laughs> we would rather have the monster. The real monster is his bad attitude. <laughs> uh, so next, Louis Fifteenth sent in uh, a pair of famed wolf hunters. Because that translates. In- uh, their names are uh, Jean-Charles Marc-Antoine Vomazel de Neval. That's one name or two? That's one name. Okay. His son is named Jean-Francois. <laughs> <laughs> uh. So this was in February 1765, and Captain Duhamel gets benched uh, because the... Uh, uh, Denevals use a more refined technique. You know that doesn't involve like thirty guys riding on horseback through the forest. They want to try and like track it and be a little bit more intellectual about it, be a little more sneaky about it. Use some strategery. Yeah, and they brought in like some <laughs> bloodhounds that they had trained. They were they were it's like first they send in the army. Now they're sending in the pros. Right, right. So. They do hunt and kill successfully a lot of local wolves. <laughs> None of them turn out to be the size of a horse. So, now, June 1765, King Louis XV's not fucking around anymore. He's done with this shit, so he sends his personal lieutenant of the hunt and arbicus bearer. What's that? Francois Antoine. And Arbacus is like an old-timey rifle. Okay. He was the king's personal bodyguard, gunman, and hunt master. Oh, cool. Uh, like, the king's basically like his head of the Secret Service, I imagine. And his name? Uh, his name is Francois Antoine. Yeah, definitely French. <laughs> yeah. So by the end of September, Antoine had hunted down a wolf that was roughly... Three feet tall at the shoulders. Uh-huh. That's pretty big. That's a pretty fucking big wolf. And you could say maybe in the excitement, somebody would be like, oh, that wolf was the size of a horse. And then someone was like, he said it was literally the size of a horse. <laughs> right down on your form, it's the size of a horse. <laughs> so, you know, maybe, this, maybe, maybe, uh, several people who had survived run-ins with uh, the beast were able to recognize scars on the corpse of the wolf that Antoine had uh, killed. They're like, oh, that's when I stabbed it. I remember stabbing it in the leg. Oh, horse right shit. There. I shot it. That's my bullet hole. I shot it. I lived to tell the tale. Would you Would you take credit for it if, though, if it ended up it was only three feet tall? I mean, that's still a pretty fucking big wolf. Like, how tall is, is Hendrix at the shoulders, do you think? Hendrix. 
Maybe like two, two feet. Two feet, a little more. Yeah, so imagine, uh, you know, a wolf that's like the size a of a Saint taller. Bernard. Yeah. Yeah. Like as big as a wolf could be, I want to say, in its natural size. Yeah. But I don't know. I don't know. Let's say it's something along those dimensions. Yeah, not very horse. Not a monster or a cryptid, just an incredibly big. Wolf. Right. Maybe that. Maybe that's just what it is. Who knows? Uh, Antoine sent the corpse to Versailles. And but he wanted to stay behind because he wanted to track down the mate and its two pups. Oh! But uh, Antoine did get rewarded with like uh, a bunch of like land, some libras, shit. a scholarship. Yeah, a bunch of money. Yeah, a free ride all the way, academic scholarship. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, people had seen the uh, the beast with its mate. And, and pups. So they're like, okay, we want to make sure we don't have Maybe it. the mate was the size of a horse. Uh, the mate turned out to be uh, fairly large, but uh, they found it with one of the two pups, and that pup was already larger than the mother. Oh. So they definitely were huge. But he only found one of the pups. There's one pup still out on the loose. Which checks out because December that same year, uh, that's when the beast killed a six and twelve year old boy. <laughs> Still didn't get it, or maybe maybe it's the pup. The death toll continued to rise for another uh, let's see two years until June of seventeen sixty seven. Could this just be a serial killer who's like, "There's a big wolf"? Uh, could be. That's a valid theory. I'm not going to discount that. The serial killer would have to be ripping their throats out. Uh, oh, no. That's um, something a serial killer would never do. No. And also, people would have had to have seen it and say, that's a big wolf. That, But it could have been just a guy in a big wolf out Well, there were wolf sightings. There and, were wolves in the area, so it would be easy to blame on them. It could be, it could be a combination. Yeah. In June 1767, a hunter named Jean Chastel shot... What was purported to be the beast with homemade buckshot containing silver. Oh. This beast was dissected after it was killed, and they found human remains in the stomach. Really? And after, Yeah, and after this, there were no more uh, deaths credited to the beast of Gévedon. How big was that one? Uh, it was it was not the size of a horse, but was a pretty big fucking thing. So it was the pup, you think? I it very well could have been the pup. Aww. Yeah, it turned out he was also killing people. What made this one family of wolves into murderers? Uh, well, uh, there are a couple theories. Uh, well, you want some France so, facts first, or you want to go into theory? Yeah, hit me with a France fact. I've been going hard. Yeah, you really you you've done an excellent job. I will tell you, your information is impeccable this week. Well, thank you. What, this, because there's so much documented history of the beast, there's really like, and I'm sure there are entire books written about it. I'm, you know, this is something that people can, if you want to learn more about this, there's a lot of stuff there. Like how to pronounce it would be something we'd like to learn. Yeah, yeah, I should have gotten one of the audio books. Could I have someone say uh, France facts? Yeah. France facts. Louis Antoine of France was the elder son of Charles X of France and was technically king of France for 20 minutes before he abdicated the throne. He never reigned over the country, but was the legitimate pretender as Louis XIX. God, 
Good for him. That's a baller move. That is cool. He's like, I don't need it. Yeah, you know what? How about I just be rich and nobody has a problem with it? Yeah, me? I don't get put to death and I just get to have sex all day and spend money. Yeah, how about y'all just leave me alone? The entire city of Paris has only one stop sign. Hmm. Where? Like, I don't know. They didn't mention it. <laughs> that would be, that'd be good to know. You'd go see Paris' stop sign. Take a picture. Right in front of the American embassy. Yeah. <laughs> stop. Big stop sign. <laughs> I'm betting you that's where it is. I wouldn't be surprised. It's illegal to name a pig Napoleon in France. Huh. Isn't that crazy? That is crazy. It's kind of insulting to pigs because they're noble creatures. It's true. I would be honored to have a pig named after me. The French army. Now that I think, you know, I said that, and the more that I think about it, the more true it is. That you'd be honored to have a pig named after you? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, pigs are very cool. Yeah. Shibbled. They're they're a fantastic meat animal. They're very smart. Think about Wilbur. They, uh, yeah. He was he was some pig. <laughs> the French army is the only one in Europe that still has pigeons in its ranks. <laughs> there are currently 150 traveling pigeons in the French army. It is said that in case of catastrophe majeure, major disaster, they would be the only efficient way of communication. Well, there you go. If that becomes the only efficient way of communication, like, we're in trouble, I think. I, yeah. You know. But, you know, if there's, like, an electromagnetic pulse and we lose all power, it's better than not having nothing. I don't know. I, I don't know if I'd it makes that, much happy of, to makes that much of a difference at that point. I don't know. Yeah, maybe not. It's not like they'd be sending one out. Be like, everything's fine. We've got somebody on the way to take care of it. <laughs> and who are they communicating with? Because no one else has pigeons in their army. Yeah, I guess they'd just be communicating with themselves. The French, But the French army needs to communicate with itself, I'm sure. That's true. <laughs> what would they say to themselves? Hey, guys, check out my cool picture. <laughs> How big are the wolves over where you are? They are roughly the size of a pony. <laughs> Pretty big, but not the, the biggest I've ever seen. Whatever happened to uh, Gilbert? I have bad news. <laughs> Don't tell me. <laughs> Is wow. that Bezos? Um, yeah, those are our France facts for now. I have, I have uh, uh, three more good ones, but we'll save them. Well, then I think with the end of those France facts, I've come to the end of my beast facts. Are you ready for fight night? I am always ready for fight night. Hit it. So, what do we got? Who we got? Number one, the Beast of Gévaudan versus Prime Shaquille O'Neal. Or how many Prime Shaquille O'Neals would it take to defeat the Beast of Gévaudan? I'm going to say... I'm going to say probably two Prime... Actually, I'm going to say three, because this fucking thing's the size of a horse. <laughs> so, uh, yeah... Uh, I'm going to say you're going to need three of uh, the Kung Fu Diesel to take down uh, one Beast of Gévaudan. How would that work? I think they're going to have to box them out. I think <laughs> they're going to have to get them, get them boxed out, and they can do that. 
What is boxing out in basketball? <laughs> that is when in basketball, in basketball it's different. In basketball, that's when you're you're keeping them out of that score box. The score box with your body. The score box. <laughs> yeah, that's the place where you want to shoot your shots inside the score box. Do you want to know what it is, really? <laughs> yeah. All right. It's when it, it's when uh, is it going to be better than that? Yeah, no, it won't be better than that. But it'll it'll be what it is. I just thought you might want to know. Yeah, no, inform me. When someone shoots the ball, you're going to want to get the rebound, right? Yo, I definitely am because they are going to miss. So you're going to box out the person. Actually, no, I want them to get the points. They're really trying. Okay, but you're going to act, of course, on the assumption that it's missing to get the rebound. Yeah, no. It's true. Better safe than sorry. Right. Better. That's that's absolutely right. That's how we operate on the basketball court. So you're going to use your body to box out the player from the other team to get between them and the basket so you have a better chance of acquiring the rebound. Okay. And then is that specifically just to rebounds? Are there other situations where somebody could be boxed out? I mean, you can box out using your body it's just using your body to shield. It's just use your body to box them yeah to shield okay. them but usually in a rebounding situation yes uh, but maybe like if uh, if it went out of bounds yeah if there's a loose ball going out of out. bounds and you don't want them to re- to recover the ball you want to just go out of but you can box them out with your body yes all right okay i can think of several great occasions to box them out all right so they're <laughs> they're gonna box them out by which I mean they're going to prevent him from escaping and moving too much with their giant body. Oh, so you mean they're going to box him in. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> what is box him in, then? It, it's not a basketball term. They're just literally going to box him in and not let him escape, is what you just said. Yeah, but Jack's a basketball player, so he's going to box him out. But they're but they're literally boxing him in, is what they're doing. Yeah, but they're doing it by boxing him okay. out. Okay, all right. <laughs> Number two, the <laughs> the Beast of Gavaldon versus the Beast of Gavaldon, the same cryptid, but it's from Germany, and they fight in 1940. Ooh, boy. I'm going to have to say I'm going to put my money on the Beast of Gavaldon. Yep. The German one wins in 1940. Oh, I know. <laughs> that wasn't the one I was rooting for. No, no one was. This, no, the Beast of Gavadon in this story is uh, he's part of the French resistance, and he lures the other Beast of Gavadon out into the woods with promises of sex, and then he slits his throat. And then he cracks the code because he's a wind talker. Yeah. Um, the Beast of Gavadon versus Air Bud and the Buddies with lasers Ooh. affixed to their heads. Oh man, they got lasers. Yeah, but Here's the thing. They, they go off randomly. They can't. They, you know, they're dogs. They don't know how to shoot lasers. But I'm gonna say the Air Buddies. I mean, Air Bud is smart. He can figure out the rules of basketball, and he can figure out that there's no rule that says a dog can't play basketball. Right. The Air Buddies can talk. They are pretty much sentient. So I'm going to say they're going to be able to figure out, like, oh, our lasers are just sort of firing off randomly. Oh, hey, uh, Bodie. What were their names? Just like Bodie and Buddha. God, they're all. One of them is like a white kid doing his black impression. Yeah, one of them is very problematic. Uh, 
That one doesn't make it. Yeah, but that one's got to die. Like that one's. Yeah, the that's the one that they send in. Be like, listen, uh, Streetwise, whatever the fuck your name is. Why don't you go in there uh, first and see if you can lure him out? And he's like, you got it, dog. And he runs in. Hey, homie, and... you ain't wants no troubles. Yeah. So yeah, the beast gets him. The other ones by then have figured out how their lasers work. And then with their father, Airbud, there, they all he leads the charge. They blow the beast out of the water. Okay, the beast. I wanted to hang on, hang on. I'm just going to talk about Airbud for sure. A please do. Did he die of cancer? I don't know. That was not what I was going to okay. say. I was going to say, last time I checked, guess how many films are in the Airbud cinematic universe? With the buddies the included. Last time I checked, with the buddies included, the entire extended Airbud. Continent. I'm going to guess 12. 23. Holy shit. On the Airbuddy, uh, on the Airbud website, I think they have a streaming service that's just Airbud. <laughs> if I remember. Do they have TV shows too, or is it just movies? I think it's just 23 Airbud films. That's an amazing uh, property they built up, though. And I'm thinking that maybe when we're done with our. Uh, bonus series that we're recording right now uh, Nightmare on Monster Street we should just do the entire Air Buds we, we could do that <laughs> whatever you think we could All always right. do Friday the 13th but I'm up for Air Bud I mean we want to keep it fresh <laughs> yeah, yeah. So our audience will love that um, The Beast of Gavadon versus mm. Caesar Milan mm, The Dog Whisperer mm-hmm Boy, here's the thing. While the beast is allegedly part dog, and that part has been bred to be loyal to man and communicate with man on an almost non-verbal, empathic level, a larger part of him is wolf and will not have those instincts. And I think Caesar will be a bit overconfident and then the beast is going to rip his throat out. The beast will listen to me? What? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know beast, he's going to no. like, try and maintain eye contact. And look at me. Gonna... The beast will look into my eyes. No. Yeah, not going to pay. My brother does a good Caesar Milan impression. He That'd be a good bonus. Sounds good. Okay, the beast of Gavadon versus us. Our pets, Hamburger and Hendrix, after all drinking Ninja Turtle ooze. Okay. So that's going to turn, boy, Hamburger into some sort of cat man yep. and me into some sort of man cat. Mm -hmm. And you and Hendrix will be dog man and man dog. I'm trying. I'm trying to think about the ways that those two things are going to be like different from each other, and it's kind of grossing me out. <laughs> Why? I don't know. It just feels like one of these is going to have to land in like a the wrong place <laughs> to keep them distinct. Uh, okay. We've drank the ooze. We have not gotten the ninja training. Oh, that's true. That doesn't come with the ooze. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm going to say that the Beast is going to have us. Hopefully, Hamburger escapes. Watch out, Hamburger. Oh, Hamburger. 
Yeah, be careful, buddy. Hendrix, I t- oh, I didn't tell. I told the audience that Hendrix was sick, but he's better now. I just wanted to tell everyone he's doing a lot better, and thank you for the well wishes from Shibble, not yeah, and- the audience, because no one knew. <laughs> and also, I'm, yeah, I'm glad that Hendrix is doing better now. But also, this episode will be coming out in like five months, so who knows how he's doing yeah. at this point that you're hearing. He may be. No, I'm not going to say. He's going to be doing even better than That's that. That's right. Uh, the Beast, do you want some more? They're quick. Last one. Last one? Last one. Two more. Two more, okay. The Beast of Gévaudan versus any random 20 of our Instagram followers. Boy, our Instagram followers? Well, they are now uh, going to be inoculated with knowledge, as long as they aren't... Uh, the bots, I imagine they're going to have a tough time. We don't have a lot of bots. Well, that's good. Uh, I'm going to say it's going to be something like ooh, no problem for our guys. I think they're they know. Stuff. I think they're they're into the uh, the weird stuff, the occult, the horror. I think they'll they'll know how to handle a beast like that. I agree with you. Especially if if they listen to this episode, they'll know what you need is some silver bucks. Our listeners rule. Um, last one: the beast of Gavardon. Versus Freddy Krueger, but the battle takes place in Freddy's dream. Okay. Well, Freddy, uh, in his own dream, trying to remember, there must have been one version where they went into Freddy's dream. No, because he doesn't sleep. Oh, yeah. You'd think it'd be so obvious. Uh, no, there was one where they were trying to get him reincarnated as a baby, and they went into the fetus's dream. I cannot wait I to see a... that one because I don't remember it. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna put it on Freddy. He is pretty much in in a dream t- setting. He's got, but it. he's the vulnerable one in his own dream. Is that the logic you're going with? I always think of him as being vulnerable in the real world, and in the dream world, he's unstoppable. And even in his own dream. Yeah. Okay. That's my theory. Well, that was a good fight, Now I enjoyed it. Me too. Hey! <laughs> Do that again. <laughs> me too. Hey! Which leads me to a question. We've learned a lot about the Beast of Gévaudan. We've learned how it fights. We've learned a lot about its history. We've learned about its origins. Shivel, the Beast of Gévaudan sounds scary, but can it love... werewolf ain't my dad but it's not so bad it might sound crazy but can it love can it give me a kiss can it hold my hand would it say i love you does it understand does it know that i've never felt this way before there's a full moon tonight so romantic and this might sound crazy but can it love can it love I mean we know that it had a mate not just a one and done because they were seen together so I think it definitively can love (laughs) <laughs> that that was your whole argument. It was seen with a. Have you ever been seen with, with a woman who you didn't love? 
No. What? Loved every single one of them. <laughs> what do you? I love all women, and I respect you. <laughs> have you ever? Have you ever gone on a date with a girl that went really bad, and you hated her? Hated her. Have, have you ever dated someone you ended up hating? No. That's all. That's awesome. They're all great. Yeah, I've been really lucky. Yeah, you're a really nice guy. Thank you. So you think it? So you think it can love? I think it's capable of love. I think it's capable of both romantic and paternal love. Oh my god! And maternal. So this is really a sad story because they hunted it down and killed its wife and then killed its children. Yeah, that's kind of sad. But you know that a life of a monster. If you can't learn to get along with society, you know that's life is going to be tragic for you. Society always wins. You know, there's another part to can it love. And it's because I want you to keep playing the can it F um, bumper. Mm. It sounds scary, but can it fuck? That sounds crazy, but can it fuck? Once again, I think we've got some definitive proof that it can fuck. I actually did some research on sex in France because I figured that would shed some light on the -hmm. situation. Would you like to hear yeah, a little tell bit? tell me how they do it in Gay Paris. That's not nice, Shibble. Tell me how they do it in Gay Nice. There you go. The number of times the French kiss each other as a form of greeting varies depending on region. In Corsica, it can be as many as five. Ooh. The French have the most sex in a year out of the entire EU. Ooh la la. 42% of French men and 59% of French women have faked an orgasm in the past year. Vive la différence. Now we move into dog sex because that will shed some light on this as well. Zuta lores. Dogs with a TV or laptop in the bedroom have less sex than dogs who don't. Qu'est-ce que c'est? Unlike humans, dogs actually have a bone in their penis called a baculum. Je m'appelle Chris. The average speed of dog ejaculate is 27 miles per hour. What the fuck is happening? Dogs get STDs too, and one of the worst is CTVT, canine transmissible uh, venereal tumor. Oh, Jesus. Stop it. There exists an international canine semen bank. Well, that only makes sense. In in what universe? People love dog breeds. People love being racist for dogs. Uh, how is that racist? T- to be like, oh, oh, this breed is better. Oh, that's true. Oh, I, I, I never thought about that as racist. That's genius. It's it's dog racism. It's the next problematic thing. I'm telling you, this is where the cutting. Let's edge. make that a big deal. That'll be so yeah, funny. That, I mean, people should be adopting mutts from shelters. You shouldn't be going to breeders for your fancy dogs. And this one isn't dogs, but I'm going to throw it in. At the end of sex, a male honeybee's genitals explode. Just like me. (laughs) Every time? That one time. Just that one time. (laughs) But you've recovered nicely, haven't you? (sighs) Thank God. So, so they can definitely love. They can definitely love, and they can definitely fuck. That's good for them. Great for the beast yeah. of Gavaldon and its family. Yeah, it just, well, so you might be wondering, you, you mentioned earlier, there's a lot of stuff that points to, you know, 
that make this seem very credible. Shebel, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm literally scared because these are reports that people have made. There's actual dead people. This stuff is not, you know, just stories that have been passed down. You got to tell me, is the Beast of Gévaudan real? Is real? Check it, Vavakasha. Hey! Allegedly, I mean, even the low estimate puts there being about 60 deaths in this area at this time due to some form of wild animal attack. Now, their wolf attacks were fairly common at this point in French history, just because, you know, human civilization was expanding right. into the dense forests of Europe. And so, as we moved in, wolves and humans fought. Uh, and it doesn't happen as much now because we killed off all the wolves. Uh, so, but this does seem to be an extraordinarily large amount. I was about to say, this can't be the normal amount of wolf kills. No. This is a little bit more than you would expect. So, uh, a couple of theories. Uh, one of the, the reports of one of the corpses, uh, was that it had double dew claws which is a uh, rare mutation found in a breed of dog called the Beauceron, which is basically uh, uh, the French equivalent of a German shepherd. The boat, bo- say again? Beauceron. Beauceron. Yeah, if I'm pronouncing it right. I believe it's spelled B-E-A-U-C-E-R-O-N. B-E-A-U, so beau. Yeah, Beauceron. Okay, Beauceron. Yeah, uh, so this could be a German shepherd wolf hybrid uh, that was like a small pack of those running around somewhere in these woods. Uh, it also uh, could be, uh, some theories say, it could be a dire wolf. Oh, uh, that's cool. Dire wolves were alleged to have died off about 10,000 years ago, but hypothetically, you know, they thought the coelacanth was dead too. Maybe it was just one small last family of dire wolves that got killed oh that is so sad to think that i was the last family of dire wolves and they killed them it is sad did you watch game of thrones i watched some of game of thrones who watches some of game of thrones i didn't have hbo at the time and then so how'd you watch some of it (laughs) i was like we were vacationing at my in-laws and they had hbo and they're like oh we want to watch game of thrones season three he's like yeah okay you started yeah, at season right. three and watched some of it. Okay, so now. Yes. Okay. They had Not they really, had yeah. dire wolves. Was my point. They were cool. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It could so it could have been dire wolves, like a small pocket of them, like a coelacanth type situation. Some people also suspect that it might have just been a lion that had escaped from a private collector. That's interesting as well. Uh. So they had lion collectors back then, like idiots like we have now. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure there were, like, French nobles, somebody like that. Like, I bet if you went to Louis XV's court, he, I wouldn't be surprised if he, like, owned a leopard or some shit. All that Instagram shit. Mm-hmm. That, that's, that, but there's no, no theory like mine that there was, like, some crazy serial killer? Uh, there is now. Yeah. <laughs> the real beast was man. The real beast of Givola. Was there? A, that'd be interesting to check if there were any active French serial killers during the, that time. I read that the modern serial killer as a phenomenon largely grew out of uh, the interstate highway. 
That's because then you had that sort of freedom of travel that helped you elude capture. When Most when when killers, when did the interstate highway become a thing? Like the fifties, forties, no, fifties, sixties. Uh, maybe I don't know, somewhere around there. I want to say early fifties. It was like Eisenhower, whenever he was president, I think. Okay. I think he was the interstate. So the advent of interstate highways definitely made it, it easier to get away with that sort of crime, I would imagine. Yeah. Yeah, that that was a big part of the theory. That before that, if you were going to be killing like a lot of people and it was hard for you to leave the area, you know, you had to build would, a, just be easier to get caught. You had to build a murder castle like H.H. H. Holmes. Yeah. Yeah, you had to be somebody with some resources. Well, I mean, look, I mean, it makes it what he did. I mean, it's not impressive. He's a piece of shit, like, you know, but it makes yeah. it more impressive that he got away with what he did. You know, yeah. he couldn't. There was no interstate travel at the ready. Yeah. So instead, he had the murder victims come to him by taking in transients. Transient. Yeah. Just like the Cecil Hotel draws in transients with its magic. Looks like we're getting the red light from Uncle Monster. Is it that time already? Uh, yeah. Hey, guys. Also, I wanted to, uh, mention, uh, another movie recommendation. Uncle Monster's movie recommendations. Uncle Monster, please regale us. Well, uh, when you told me you were doing the Beast of Gravedon, I was thinking maybe it'd be like, uh, there's the movie Brotherhood of the Wolf. I never heard of that. Tell me. It. It stars Mark DeCoscos, and uh, he's trying to fight uh, the the beast. Right. It's literally about this. That's excellent. Another another good one though is a uh, French Kiss, starring Kevin Klein and Meg Ryan. They should have done more movies together. You're suggesting that because it's French. Yeah. That's good. Thank you, Uncle Monster. Yeah, those are great. Hey, can I try? Uh, the Uncle Monster voice? Yeah, give it a shot. Hey, you guys should try Primal Fear. It has it has uh, Edward Norton. He plays an altar boy who does sex stuff. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> I, I, I remember Primal Fear. That was a good heel turn. Spoiler alert. Yeah, really. Why would you give that away? It's been 20 years. If you wanted to see Primal Fear, you could have seen it by now. Hey, have you ever seen Mortal Kombat? <laughs> you ever seen Field of Dreams? <laughs> Those are some good ones. I think from now on you'll do the Uncle Monster movie. <laughs> I think that's been decided right now. No, I think we could just... Uh, <laughs> I mean... Would it be weird to switch off? I'm cool with whatever. I think you'll... I'm cool with everybody at home listening. Oh, that is the coolest thing of all, Shivel. Thank you for mentioning that. Tell them. Thank you so much for tuning in. We hope you had a good time listening to us today. Thank you for uh, following us on uh, Twitter at Uncle Monster Six and Instagram at Uncle Monster Six, or uh, checking out our Patreon at uh, Patreon.com/slash Uncle Monster Six. Thank you. We will see. <laughs> Very smooth transition. Yeah, Please. I felt like I was talking too long, so I just suddenly stopped. <laughs> crushed it. You guys, remember to like, subscribe, rate, and review. We'll see you next time on Uncle Mike. <laughs>
Motherfucker. <laughs> we'll see you next time on Uncle Monster's Spooky Time Fright Hour. And remember, don't, don't get, get spooked. spooked.